Hey everyone, this is Eric, and welcome to the CBC podcast, Behind the Pulpit. This Sunday, we continue with our series titled Uncomfortable, and I talked about the idea of uncomfortable love, that we as followers of Jesus are called to love everyone and anyone the way that Christ loves us. Today, Nick and I will be joining Pastor Donna to discuss this Sunday's message. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening. Okay, welcome to the podcast. This is Donna, and I'm here with Eric and Nick. Welcome, guys. Hello. Good to be here. Um, so if you looked at the app, you know that Brandon's going on sabbatical next week, so we thought we should try this without him. So this could be a very awkward and uncomfortable podcast. We hope it doesn't, but <laughs> we're going to give it a shot. That's the whole point, uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, you know, it fits perfectly. So... Um, Eric spoke on Sunday, and on behalf of the moms, thanks for the gold medal, as well as the cookies and the balloons. Um, we've talked about how sometimes it's difficult to speak or to um, incorporate a holiday with a message. So I thought we'd start with just talking about how that impacted your message on Sunday, just that it was Mother's Day and trying to incorporate that. Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, most holidays, especially like a Mother's Day or even a Father's Day, there's always that challenge of doing something new, right? What's what's fresh, what hasn't been done. And that's always a challenge because a lot of times it's it's been done. Um, but there's always this desire to, I think, honor moms, honor dads. So to take a topic, a passage, and to be able to say, how can I be faithful to this topic and this passage and at the same time honor parents, honor moms, um, encourage them uh, while still making it relevant to everybody? That's always the hard part. Um, with this one, I felt it was easier because the topic was love mm -hmm. and we're going through the uncomfortable series. And this topic was about really, I think, raising the bar in terms of how we um, view love and to, you know, consider moms and how they love. It was e and it was an easy fit to that. So for this one, I was actually more excited to talk about it because I felt like the topic went hand in hand to the love that moms show their kids. So this one was easier. Um, at least I felt that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we all talk about our families a lot. And, and you talked about your kids and being a dad and, and the love that you have for them. Is there anything else that you thought about in terms of families and how that's a great example of love either for both either of you? I'm sorry, can you say that one more time? <laughs> Just how our families um, impact our, the way we see love or the way we learn love or mm. how it impacts how we love the example for us I, I just laugh a little bit because I, as i was listening to eric's message and the whole idea of this this is your baseline this is the bare minimum i'm thinking you know for me sometimes that's a pretty low baseline <laughs> <laughs> i think about the way that um i am i think sometimes with my family when my guard is down and no one's watching um it's sometimes i treat people on the outside better <laughs> so it's like, that's not a great that's not a great baseline um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. That's just what came to mind is yeah. <laughs> as you were speaking and, um, I, w I wish I had a better, more positive example in the other direction. <laughs> yeah. I think about that too, though, because with my family, it's, there's just a lot of dysfunction, but I feel like it's that sense of commitment that I'm, mm -hmm. that I'm always there, that I mm -hmm. always come back to it, that I always have to come back to working on it and forgiving and mm -hmm. seeking forgiveness and trying to figure out how to make it work. So even though it is hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, and that's, I think the power in that, what we kind of experience in families is not that it's 
it's better per se all the time or it's perfect. It's be, it's the fact that it is imperfect mm-hmm. and we see the brokenness and even our own kind of emotions, both good and bad, rise to the surface. But even in that, we still pursue them, right? We still walk with them mm-hmm. for, for most times. And, you know, I know there's always exceptions, but there's this like just this commitment that we have to, to family, mm-hmm. you know, and then that's what, when I thought about it, you know, I think, you know, I think culture wise and, you know, us as a church, like, you know, I, I feel like a lot of our families um, are great examples of what love looks like, you know, and, and for most of us, when we look at whether it's a spouse, whether it's sibling, you know, kids, grandchildren, you just see this affection and this mm-hmm. commitment um, to one another. So, I, so in talking about it, in no way did I want to like take that away, but right. to really hold it high and say, mm. no, I think we do a really good job at that. Mm. But let's use that as, as, as a starting point to say, yeah. why do we settle for less in other relationships? And that's easier said than done, but I felt like the family, and I know for myself, right? It's, all my brokenness, ugliness comes out at home with family but there's just a sense of commitment and, and love that, you know, I feel and I just go, gosh, like, is it meant to be just in here, you know, mm-hmm. or is it meant to be for others, too? Yeah. Yeah. You brought up the idea, thought of culture. And I think about that, too, in terms of for me being Japanese American and you guys having other mixes of Asianness in you. Um, but for me, I think the Japanese-ness is the thing that holds me back sometimes Mm. and makes me more reserved and less expressive and the thing that I have to overcome is the culture. Do you think of how culture or the generational thing, the age thing, impacts you and the way you love or the things you need to overcome? I mean, I definitely get the Japanese side. I think even Eric, as you use the word affection, and I think about my Mm. family of origin, Affection isn't the word that comes to mind. You know, I I do resonate with the loyalty, with the commitment, with the consistency, but I wouldn't necessarily say that my family exudes this affection. Um, But um, but yeah, I totally get that. You know, every family is different. For me, I'm half Chinese, half Japanese, and I I do see that difference in the way that love is expressed, kind of on both sides of my family. but kind of getting back to kind of, kind of what you're saying of, of how do we view love and relationships outside the context of our families and our families of origin. Um, I, I kind of think about going back to the idea of consumerism, that a lot of our relationships yeah. are somewhat transactional, that if someone says something or does something that rubs me the wrong way, for the most part, it's fairly easy to just disregard that person. I, I don't need to talk to them. I don't need to engage with that person. Um, but if we think about biblical community, uh, the, the community I think that, that we want to strive after, kind of go against the flow of culture. Um, and, and I don't know how to do that, <laughs> but, but that, that would be the ideal, that, that consistency of it, it doesn't matter if I like you or not. It doesn't matter if, if we click. We're, we're in this together, uh, kind of in the same way that that annoying cousin or that obnoxious uncle is just they're going to be part of your family, right? So I, I definitely get that. Yeah, I think culturally there are expectations, kind of good and bad, right? In whether it's an Asian American or just Western culture, in, in where there's an expectation of you know, this is family, right? So we do things with family that we might not necessarily do with other people, whether we want to or not, right? Mm-hmm. 
you know, I thought about even Easter was not that long ago. And, you know, majority of us, like, what'd you do after church? I spent time with family, mm-hmm. right? And we, and we go eat with their families and we spend time, we get together with extended family. And that's a good thing. And in no way do I, you know, criticize that. But it just got me thinking, right? Like everybody goes to their family, mm-hmm. right? Just a couple of weeks ago, one of Amber's kind of second, third cousin, we haven't seen them for two, three years. And it's just a random text. Hey, we're going to be in town. You know, would you guys like to meet up? And I, and it was a busy weekend. And most of the times, you know, if we're busy, we just say, oh, I'm sorry, we can't meet up. But because it was family, there was just something in it, even in me, where I just felt like, yeah, like we should go, we should see them. Mm-hmm. And any other person I hadn't seen for two or three years, and, you know, if we're not super close, I don't usually have that in me where I'd want to, even though it's a busy weekend and I'm tired and I got a busy yeah. Sunday coming up. And I just thought like, what, what is it? You know? So mm-hmm. I think there's a beauty in that, right? Yeah. Culturally there's maybe expectations, but also this assumption that, yeah, there's something about family that brings us together. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, and it's good. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but at, at the same time, culture, I think allows us to just do that with our biological family. Right. Mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, there's no expectations out of culture of like, hey, you do that with your family. You should do that with others, too. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy to buy into that and get comfortable. Like, well, I don't do that with other people because they're not family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do it with my family. So kind of good and bad. I think there, on one hand, culture creates this picture that really elevates the level of commitment that we're to have with one another, which is good. But I think at the same time, culture allows us to get comfortable with just reserving that kind of love for family and believing that's normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, right. hey, there's nothing wrong that I do this with my family and not other people because that's what everybody does. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the norm and, and that's okay. Yeah. Okay. You talked about um, in the message four facets of Christ's love. So I'm going to ask you to talk about whichever of those resonates with you. So the four facets were love isn't a feeling, it's a commitment. Love doesn't serve the self, it serves the other. Love isn't always nice, it pushes us towards holiness. And love isn't only for the lovable, it's for our enemies too. So talk about which one of those resonates with you most or what makes what it makes you think about. What was that first one, Donna? Uh, love isn't a feeling, it's a commitment. Gotcha. I would say for me that that probably resonates most deeply with me. I think part of that could be I, I am a deep feeler. And Don, we were just talking before this podcast that my feelings fluctuate pretty drastically. So Eric and I just worked out and I feel great. Life feels great. Relationships feel great. Work feels great. Asked me an hour ago, nothing felt great. Um, and so the idea that relationships, uh, love, kind of the things that bring stability to my life, um, need to be a commitment, need to go beyond, um, how I'm feeling. And, uh, in kind of a strange way that the thing that comes to mind is when I was working at, at the engineering company in Northern California, um, I remember there were interactions that I would witness that I just felt like were either emotionally abusive or just, man, that just wasn't, wasn't good. You, you guys are going to have to hash that out. Someone's going to quit. But the interesting thing was, and this was a fairly small company. Um, you know, the office was probably less than 50 people. So you saw the same people day in, day out. 
And I was sort of amazed at the way that that market force, that sort of corporate culture actually worked toward that idea of commitment. That because you were committed to this job, because it was your livelihood, you had to come here every day and you had to make peace with the people that you worked with. And it wasn't just something that you could walk away from. And so to me, in, in kind of an ironic way, it that day in, day, in, day out interaction um, kind of opened my eyes to, to what it might look like to, I think, engage people meaningfully um, with, with kind of an, an intentional love. Because um, even for me, it's, you know, you would go in every day and, and the fact that you had to be there um, sort of changed the dynamic of the relationship. I mean, it's, it's even different from, from here. We have the freedom to kind of come and go. And sometimes the only reason that we're here in the office at the same time is if we have a meeting or an appointment. Um, so we sort of miss sort of the mundane, the, well, we're here because we're here every day. Um, and so th- just thinking about, you know, that idea of, of commitment, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of something that, that comes to mind. Yeah. yeah, I would say that definitely resonates with me, but it's also, it's, it's challenging. You know, so it resonates and not in a way like, oh, I can do that so easily, <laughs> but resonates yeah. where I think a lot of times um, I feel God pressing into that a little bit more mm-hmm. where, I mean, for me, my kids are my best example. You know, I mean, I love Amber and, <laughs> but you know, there's, there's just this, the way I see my kids and I know that, right. I mean, you've been there, Donna, where your kids, as they get older and you know, they do things, they say things that nobody else in my life would get away with. Right. Like right. <laughs> in terms of like, what? I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Like you say that you do that. I wouldn't put up with any mm. other relationship, but with, with my kids, obviously, yeah. you know, I do. And p- part of it is probably cultural expectations. You can't just leave them. Yeah. But I just, you know, you just go like the way I'm committed to them, the way, you know, I feel about them, the way I see them, the way at times when everything in me, you know, wants to just shut down, yeah. you know, you go, but, but I, I can't, you know, mm-hmm. I'm their father. I love them. This is what I'm called to do. This is what I want to do even in that moment where I might not want to, right? Yeah. Big picture, you want to. And I just think that's what love looks like. Mm-hmm. So then in other relationships, when it's everything in me wants to opt out or check out or, you know, just kind of shut down and say, hey, you know what? Mm-hmm. See you later. There's a bunch of other people out there yeah. to go, why the difference? You know, and I know we can't do that with everybody, but I think that's what I always wrestle with a lot when I think about, but if I love my kids this way and that's what love looks like, why don't I love others that way? Why is it so easy for me to kind of check out, you know? So I think that one kind of resonates that idea of it and it's always pressing me into it. I think the third one in terms of love isn't always nice. That one was, I think, the most, most eye-opening where I think I struggle with that yeah. the most yeah. mm-hmm. and go, oh, that's hard. And I recognize that, okay, love isn't just always making people feel good. It's not mm-hmm. just always like making them, trying to make them happy. There's this whole other side that, um, yeah, I don't, you know, I think I struggle with that, but that was uh, yeah. eye-opening. Yeah, I think so, that, that too, because I can do that with my kids, you know, be pushing them towards holiness because I know they're, they're here they're not going anywhere but with other people it's like oh they're gonna get mad at me they're not gonna like it Mm. 
Yeah, I loved your story, the text, the arguing with Carly over text. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was great. It's like, it's so real in how we interact with our families. But, you know, even if you had sent the text and you had to work through things, the relationship would still be there. She wouldn't be able to walk away and, and not be there with you anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's oftentimes that two, it pluses a two-way street, right, where... Mm-hmm. One, we have to be willing to step into that and help push each other towards holiness. But I think we talked about in last week's podcast and in terms of holiness where that invitation mm-hmm. to, or that permission that we give one another to speak into that. So, you know, I yeah. know it's a challenge. Yeah, I'm curious. I, just uh, along that line of this kind of theoretical, how do we extend that love to those outside of our biological mm-hmm. families? Can you guys think of a story, whether in your own life or people you know who kind of went against the grain, did something countercultural where they actually followed Jesus' instructions to redefine family? That, no, 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 this is my mother. This, these are my brothers. Um, perhaps at the, the expense of their biological family. Mm-hmm. Is, is there anything that kind of comes to mind for you guys? Hmm. I mean, I can think of one... A uh, friend of mine, you know, when at least when I don't know pers- exactly right now or not, but you know, when he first got married and something him and his wife felt convicted of, we want to be a place where mm. this is a home for yeah. our friends and, and people who don't have maybe perhaps families, yeah. biological families here. Mm. So they had an open door policy mm. of like people can just come anytime bring their food, eat dinner together, just hang out. Yeah. You know? And eventually I, they have one kid. I think they have four kids now. Mm. You know, And I remember talking to this person and saying, you still do that. Mm. You know, he says, we still do that. Mm. You know, and obviously relationship change, so maybe not as many people come, but that idea of, hey, we're going to just open up our home yeah. and invite these people to be family. Yeah. And obviously that presents challenges, I'm sure, yeah. you know, to, to his wife, to the kids. Uh, but that was something I heard where, you know, I think I love the idea of it. Yeah. I can only imagine how hard it is. Mm-hmm. But that was something where I said, I think something where you go, yeah, that's an example of you know, somebody taking that a step further and saying, yeah. hey, these people are family, too. Yeah. And we're going to treat them. Yeah. like to view it as family right but even as i talk about it something in me is like oh that's so hard there's something yeah. that cringes mm-hmm. as much as i love that and i'd love to do it there's a part of me that's like that would be hard right yeah. you know because even as much as i would there's a part of me that would love to i know when you know somebody goes hey can i stop by and you're like oh, oh yeah <laughs> gotta clean this clean that and yeah you know yeah. so but that's that's one example i can yeah. think of yeah i don't have anything i've read about you know, situations like mm-hmm. that are people that have, you know, tr- moved into like community to live close together yeah. and, and to have that. But yeah, I have no personal experience with that. Mm. Have you seen that at all? You, you know, Eric, as you're sharing, the one thing, that, a couple of things that come to mind is, is the idea of, of adoption and mm. foster parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a number of good friends who have adopted and uh, it, it's a pretty profound hmm. picture of the yeah. gospel, if you think yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea of you bring, you're bringing someone in and you're, you're calling them your own. Um, and uh, I also have some, 
some really good friends who are foster parents and mm-hmm. we've been journeying with them and it's it's crazy how much stuff they have to do just to become eligible as mm-hmm. foster parents mm-hmm. and now that in they're in the thick of it i think they're on i want to say their third kid it's pretty heartbreaking because they have two kids of their own uh they, they're open to adoption, but they're not necessarily um, striving for that. That's not their goal. And so um, as, as our families kind of do life with their family, we um, get introduced to these children who live with them for sometimes a number of years, and then you say goodbye to them. Hmm. But if you – just being around that, it, it just – it blows my mind and it, it reminds me of, of Jesus' call to, to love in that way because, um, you know, a good example would be the kid that they're fostering now uh, is an African, African-American baby, um, probably, oh man, I should know this, I want to say he's about two and that's the only family he's known and so he calls, you know, the parents who are both Asian-American, uh, you know, mommy and daddy, um, you know, the siblings are their siblings, the only siblings that he's ever known um and it, it's it's profound to me to, to witness that and if you dialogue with them about well why do you do this it's it it comes back to that 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 same idea of well, what is the gospel what is what is the call to love mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm inspired because the sacrifices that they've made to become foster parents uh, really kind of come at the expense of their ability to kind of do some of the status quo uh, things that we do at church, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know stuff like serving in youth ministry, college ministry, um, leading worship. Um, the the dad's a worship leader. In order to foster well in certain seasons of life, they've had to pull back and say, "Hey, you know, I can't actually serve on youth staff this year," um, but for a very profound reason. Mm-hmm. And so it's um, it's inspiring to me. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, okay, let's let's turn to church and talk about church without being too specific and without insulting anyone or offending anyone, um, and think about just how that works in our church. Um, what do you wish would happen in the church, or what do you see happening in the church that that inspires you or makes you feel really good about what's going on? Any thoughts? Um, off the top of my head, maybe not not so many much expectations, but I you know. For me, our mission statement, experiencing grace, growing in mm-hmm. love, right? That um, wherever we're at, it's fine. You know, I feel like, hey, we all have a starting point somewhere. Some people are naturally mm-hmm. at a better place than others. Some have had just better life experiences than others, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think we're all a byproduct of just our journey and how God has worked in us, both challenges, but also blessings. So I recognize that we're all over the board in terms of, of love, but just being able to grow in love of of wherever we are to move towards love. And part of that, I think begins with raising the bar Mm -hmm. and really setting it high, which is Jesus, you know, himself. So you go, okay, that bar is really high, but keeping that in front of us and being honest about it. So, you know, I think I just personally, I'd love to be able to see, Hey, us genuinely, begin to not begin continue to to grow in love for for one another especially mm-hmm. and and i just think you know there's a part of me that is as cliche as it sounds you know all the different things we can try and do which is all good yeah. you know gosh if a church can love one another 
the way that Jesus loves us. And as we're talking, right, the way we love our families and, and the way we commit to one another and walk with one another and yeah. never give up on each other and never turn our back. And, you know, the picture of the gospel, Nick, you painted even, ad- quote unquote, adopting one another, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, Imagine what a church would look like then, yeah. you know, and how, you know, I think people would be drawn to that. Yeah. You know, the one thing that's hard to find in this world are people who genuinely love you. Mm-hmm. You know, so when we think about, you know, all the different tools to, to seek the loss and, and to be a place that is welcoming and relevant. You know, I do. There's a part of me that feels th- there's nothing more relevant than than love right people mm-hmm. who will love you accept you embrace you walk yeah. with you push you towards goodness and holiness so yeah. that's just you know i think when i think about it i do get excited and think yeah it's it's both simple mm-hmm. right like just love but so hard yeah. Yeah. you know when yeah. you set that bar and you go yeah that's that's hard mm-hmm. you know i always uh for me i always picture you know that the passage where jesus is on the cross right and mm-hmm. he's looking at people who are mocking him, taunting him, people who have tortured him. Mm-hmm. And the only thing he feels towards them is compassion. Mm-hmm. Father, mm-hmm. forgive them for they know what they're, what they're yeah. doing, right? And I just think, until I get to a place where I feel like that towards everybody and anybody, yeah. I got a lot of room to grow. So, you know, I think, um, you know, wherever we're at, it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think to be a continue moving and keeping that in front of us and raising that bar and, you know, Donna, last week you talked about holiness, mm-hmm. right? And in many ways that goes hand in hand, yeah. right? To be holy for I am holy, love as I love. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Donna? What do you think? Um, I was just thinking about small groups, of course, because mm. that's my thing. Yeah. Um, but I think about my two small groups and one of them um, we've been meeting for a long time and people are just growing and, you know, people who have been Christians for a long time are just growing in like just the simple things like prayer um, and how hard it is to pray daily and to have a really good prayer relationship with God. And, and to be a mature Christian, to be in a place where you can talk about, I'm not very good at this. I don't know how to do this. You know, I really want to try. So that's been really neat to see that in that small group. And then in another small group, it's um, difficult family situations and this the sense that I have nobody else I can talk to. I'm really glad I have you to talk to about this. Um, so I feel like those are just really good things happening in pockets around the church um, and that we don't always get to see. But when we do, it's just really neat to mm-hmm. see that. Well, that's really good to hear. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. I, I think for me, being, I think, a, a millennial and asking questions about what what does community look like mm. for our generation and this is somewhat radical it's kind of out there but i wonder what it would look like for people who aren't related to actually live with each other mm-hmm. um, and i, I kind of cringe to say that because you know most of my friends know that i'm an introvert um that that would go against the grain of what what i say that i would want but i, I think there's there's something to living with people that uh, creates this community that forges this bond. And it takes something that is at least in an American individualistic uh, standpoint, you just don't do that. You know, you don't, you don't go buy a house with your friend. You don't live, you don't move in together. 
you don't raise your kids together, you don't merge finances. But I think those are things that are so personal to us, yet, you know, if Christ is to permeate every aspect of who we are, I think that that's possibly um, a really good opportunity to forge that type of love. Hmm. Um, And uh, because, you know, for me, thinking about like the way that I'm sort of a part of this church, um, I don't want to just call it superficial because that's not necessarily what it is. But to just try harder, you know, like mm-hmm. just be nicer to people or just <laughs> just be more loving. Like, I, I don't I don't see that clicking for me. Yeah. You know, it, it would be something it would have to be something structural for me that would cause me to, I think, engage mm-hmm. um, people differently. Uh, and so I think about just the different seasons of life I've been in, the people that I've gotten to live with and what that did to um, the way that I saw them, the way that I viewed Christian community. Um that and housing prices are so high in Southern California mm-hmm. that that's a big question mark for me. You know, I, my wife and I aren't homeowners and I think about everyone younger than us. What does it look like for them to live here sustainably? Yeah. It, is their parents going to buy them a house? Um, you know, are, how many of them are, are going to have salaries that allow them to live the way that we grew up? Um, so just a thought. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the the practicality, right? Mm. Like it's both sides, right? It's like, okay, we got to love more, but also as a church, think of practical ways that we can invite mm-hmm. one another to step into it, to mm-hmm. be challenged and be stretched. You know, when I was researching, you know, just the idea of family, even biological earthly family in the context of the church, you know, going back to the Old Testament, New Testament, right? This era where kind of the, the nuclear family or the, you know, the father, mother, kids living together, isolated. It's kind of a unique yeah. thing in history, right? Yeah. It's, it's not, so from a biblical perspective, it's very mm. rare to even like view family as just that, right? It's always been bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's always included extended family. And I mean, obviously you get technical like servants and, and those things yeah. where you go, okay, like even from a biblical perspective, even the idea of family was bigger, right? Yeah. So the idea of extending that, expanding that, yeah. from a biblical perspective, it's not foreign. Mm-hmm. You know, like actually what we have now is a lot more foreign. Right, right. You know? So that's interesting. Yeah, that's really challenging because, you know, I live by myself and I really enjoy that. When I think about like living with a family member or even people coming to, like family members themselves coming to stay with me like for like a week or a month or something, it's like, that's very daunting. Mm-hmm. And to think about living with someone I don't know or, <laughs> you know, not family, like, yeah. that's even bigger. And then you talk about fa- foster kids and adoption yeah. as well. It's like, I read a lot of these things from Olive Crest because they, mm-hmm. you know, they're doing adoption and yeah. foster kids. And I think that's such a great thing. I really wish I could do that. But no, <laughs> not <Yeah>. me, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, those are really challenging ideas for us to consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's good too. It's mm-hmm. good for us to to talk and even for our church to have a conversation and and just to recognize how hard it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like like Nick, you were saying, it would be the worst thing to do is to go out there and just pretend to love each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Let's just do more loving things. Let's just be mm-hmm. nicer. Let's yeah. just when the heart actually doesn't change. Whereas I think, you know, I think humility is that first step, mm-hmm. right? To say, yeah. oh my gosh, gosh, like, yeah, yeah I mean we recognize that we, you know, we've kind of lowered the bar. And now when we see how high that bar is in terms of what you call us to do and the love you showed to us, Mm 
we have a long ways to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. need to like do a work in us. You need to, to change this. Yeah. You need to, I think that's the best place we can be, mm-hmm. right? Because that's faith. That's humility. That's a dependency on God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves, yeah. right? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's a good thing for us to bring it up, to to think about the discomfort of it and not to just dismiss it and avoid it because it's uncomfortable yeah. for us, but to, to really look at those challenges and to consider where God might be leading each of us. Um, are there any other practical or specific steps you would suggest for people to take or things to think about? Um, I... You know, like I shared before, I'm a, I'm a journaler. You know, I, I love to write and reflect. Um, so I think a great step is, practical step, is just to be able to recognize where relationships are challenging and where we fall short on the call to love. You know, mm-hmm. so in any conflict, any tension, any hard relationship, there's, it's a two-way street, so in no way do we bend over backwards and justify the other person. And like I said in the message, you know, we need wisdom and discernment on how to address each person so things like boundaries things you know all those things are important but in terms of love to be honest with ourselves and to allow god to speak into that and say okay well is there anything on me you know Mm -hmm. where i fall short in terms of how i'm called to see this person how i'm called to feel about this person and if there is god like would you speak you know so not that we feel guilty not that we beat ourselves up not that we even force ourselves to change but we're just inviting God into into that space and yeah. saying, okay, like I know you call me to love more. I'm recognizing where I fall short here. So can you can you help me? Can you speak into that? So yeah. just that stuff for me has been very helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, and and may and, you know, I can look back and say, I see how God has worked, you know, over time, gradually, baby steps, but um, I think being able to just admit that, acknowledge it, um, is a big step. Mm-hmm. Anything, Nick? I think the reminder for me, and it's nothing new, as the first class I took in seminary, I think this is a message, Eric, that you preach really well, is that the idea that all of our ability, all of the calling comes back to the way that God has loved us. And it's always an important reminder for me because I think it's easy to push that aside and get wrapped up with, these are the things you're supposed to do. These are the things you're called to do. But at the same time, there's this, I think God gives us this opportunity to, to, to come and dine with him and be with him and, and um, kind of have our well kind of filled back up, you know, like you, to, to, to know, kind of, I think in a, a performance um, run world that, hey, you're good. Your debt's been paid. You've been pursued by the creator of the universe. Um, everything you have it's just a gift, you know? So whether it's your time, your resources, your comfort, you have the security to actually just give it away now. Um, and that's important for me, you know? So that's not just this grind of go love that unlovable person, <laughs> you know? Um, and, um, and yeah, I think, I think that's something, Eric, I appreciate about your ability to, to preach that message because you, I think that's one of your, your strengths, you know? And I think it's, it's so... Uh, necessary for us mm-hmm. to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Yeah. I think, you know, the premise of this whole series, right, is faith wasn't meant to be comfortable. And when mm-hmm. we get complacent, mm-hmm. we get comfortable, comfortable, we miss out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And 
when you try to apply that to love, it's it's like a paradox, right? Because it just feels like, oh my gosh, we got to do so much more and sacrifice more and give up more. And, yeah. you know, it almost feels like, okay, God, like we've already given so much. Now you want us to give even more. Mm-hmm. So to kind of shift that and go, no, God, this whole idea of this uncomfortable series, the calling discipleship yeah. is like God is inviting us to a better life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So to kind of, you know, that's for me, I, it's hard to even wrap my mind around that. Of yeah. Like on one hand, you're calling us to do so much more and the yeah. bar is so high. Yet it's because you're inviting us to something better, something mm-hmm. greater, you know? So yeah. in one ways, the more we love people, the more we're going to benefit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and yeah. how that goes hand in hand is is profound. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anything else? Any other thoughts? Nope. Questions? You did a great job hosting, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. This I summer will be fun. Yeah. I'll have to listen to it and see if I think so too. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, thank you. Bye.